Mercury is finally coming out of retrograde. And I hope that you all did your planetarily appointed shadow work so that next one won't be so bad. I, myself, uh, certainly had my share that I had to do. And it's Mother's Day, so we're going to talk about mommy issues. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Naomi, and this is Mosaic in Progress. So, Mother's Day is like a really difficult day for a lot of people for multiple reasons and I am not an exception to that and I think that people focus on daddy issues a lot people kind of gloss over mommy issues it's seen as like a stupid thing or a weak thing in a way that having issues with your father is not and I think it's because Being a good mother, in a lot of ways, is kind of biologically innate. Like, not that it's an easy thing to do, but it's kind of one of those things that comes naturally in a lot of ways to just, you know, make sure your kids are safe and have what they need. And... It's not the case for a lot of people. A lot of people had mothers who just didn't keep them safe. And that's kind of what we learn from our mothers. That's, if you go back, I think it might have been the first episode, second episode, first or second episode that I did, where I talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the stages of development and chakras. When you look at, like, the first things that you're supposed to learn as a human in this world, the first development that you have, the absolute first thing that you must know is that you're safe. And we learn this from our mothers. They're going to protect us from other people hurting us. They're not going to hurt us. They're going to make sure we have what we need. Food, clothing, warmth, shelter, etc. And if you have a mother who doesn't do that or doesn't do it well, who hurts you or lets other people hurt you or neglects you, you don't learn how to be safe. And if you don't have safety, nothing else develops properly. Nothing else builds on that in a healthy way. Because you need that for everything else to develop. You need that for everything else to grow. You need that to thrive as a human being. If you don't have safety, nothing else matters. And our mothers are the ones who teach us this, who give that to us, who we learn it from. So having a mother who doesn't keep you safe or is an unsafe person fucks the rest of your life. Which is a hard thing to cope with when you're an adult and you realize this because you're just like, well, I never had a chance to begin with. And it sometimes gets into this, like, resentment building of, like, well, what even can I do now? 
this didn't go well, so how can I become anything else? How can I be anything else? How can I create anything else? And you have to learn to heal your own mother wound. Which can be incredibly difficult. Mother's Day sucks for me because I had a mother who was extremely emotionally neglectful, who was emotionally abusive, who was at times physically abusive, who allowed my father to physically abuse me and my sisters and even encouraged his physical abuse enabled his physical abuse. I told my first therapist that she was the legalist and the rule maker and she used him as her enforcer. And from the time I was about five years old, I wanted to be a mother. That was all I ever dreamed of being was a mother. And I think a lot of that was because even then I knew my situation was bad and I wanted a chance to make something better to kind of redeem that time to alchemize it in a way. And I have had two miscarriages. I lost two babies. And had I carried to term, they both would have been born in May. And so May just sucks for me in general as a month with knowing that I should be celebrating two birthdays and Mother's Day and having neither. And not having a chance to... To change that, not having an opportunity to do it with someone else, you know, non-biological children. It's not an option for me. Um, and so that compounded grief of the loss of motherhood with the loss of a mother figure. My mom is still alive. Uh, she is not well. She has cancer and uh, the chemo is killing her faster than the cancer would have. Um, so dealing with that on top of the fact that I haven't had a relationship with my mother in over three years. Um, I I'm not no contact with her, but we, uh, we don't really speak. She knows nothing really that's going on with my life. She doesn't even know who I am anymore. I don't know that she ever really did. Because there's so many things that I heard after I had moved out and I started fully just embracing and embodying who I really was as a person. And... She and other people kept telling me, this doesn't seem like you. This doesn't seem like you. And the whole time I was thinking, no, this is 
this is me. This is who I've always been. I just wasn't safe to be that person. And I look back and you can see it in the gifts that she gives me. It's it's like she never knew who I really was as a person. Because she didn't allow me the safety to be who I was. And my most vivid memories of my mother are not happy ones at all. Even a little bit. I think until the day that I die, even if I get dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that, I will remember sitting on my couch three days post-op. It was my 31st birthday and my mother had come over. She was helping me, helping to take care of me as I was recovering from surgery and I was hocked up on pain meds. And so it's a really weird, hazy memory. But I confirmed it afterwards. So I know it's not, you know, just like a drug-induced hallucination or something like that. She told me that she has a hard time loving me. After she found out that I'd had sex outside of marriage. And she said it with the most serious face and the most judgmental expression, like it was my fault. That I had caused her to not love me. And there are a lot of things in my life that I have envisioned or anticipated that would have been painful, but I don't know that I could have ever imagined hearing that and the pain that it caused and the pain that it still causes. Because there's a lot of things that my mother will say offhand or in anger and not really fully mean it, but she meant every bit of that. And honestly, it was something that I knew before she said it, so I could feel it. In fact, I felt it before. She knew, and she felt that way. I have always felt like my mother didn't really love me. At the very least, she didn't like me. That was kind of obvious that she didn't like me. She, um, she wanted me to be one thing, and I was not that. And because I didn't fit in her box, she didn't like me. And I... I love my mother. I have always loved my mother, and I've always liked my mother, even now. And 
to be rejected in that way by the one person who should love you no matter what is a wound that I don't think ever really heals. You just learn how to deal with it. And for me, learning how to deal with it was found in spirituality and paganism and witchcraft and finding a family outside my family of origin. My best friends, both of them, their mothers decided to take me in as their own, as a grown woman, because they knew my mom didn't love me. As their daughters told them, hey, she has a shitty mom and she's your daughter now. And I will forever be grateful to the two of them because it's one thing to take in your kids' friends as your own when they're children or even teenagers. But I was in my late 20s and I think I might have been in my early 30s when I met the other one's mom but I was fully grown woman and they just said all right you're my daughter now and I I I can't fathom that level of love for me I can fathom that level of love on a personal basis because I have that love for other people. I have that love for my husband's children. But it's hard for me to imagine anyone loving me that much. And I think the reason is because my mom doesn't love me. And that kind of colors everything. If your mom doesn't love you, you can't really imagine anyone else loving you because that's kind of the thing, isn't it? That's like the whole expression and joke is that, oh, a face only a mother could love and only a mother would love them. Your mother is the one that's supposed to love you no matter what, no matter how ugly you are or fucked up you are or weird you are or stupid you are. Your mother's the one that loves you no matter what. And so if your mother doesn't love you, it's really hard to imagine anyone else doing so. And it's hard to accept anyone else doing so. You're always going, what's the catch? What do you want from me? Because the one person who is biologically wired to love me doesn't. And I remember talking about that at a red tent circle gathering. And if you've never been to that or haven't heard of it, it is a gathering of women that is supposed to mimic the red tent, which was basically a place for women to go when they were bleeding and they would be cared for and loved and there were spiritual insights and just the magic of women and the magic of women bleeding. It was a place for that. And 
I only went to one, and that is a big regret of mine. Um, but I remember I I went to this gathering of women, and I knew a few of the women there, and I had committed to myself to be open and vulnerable, even though it was uncomfortable and scary. And this one woman came up to me, and we connected over root chakra symbols. She had a tattoo of one, and I was wearing a necklace of one, and we were both devotees of Hecate. And we connected over that, and she asked if she could give me a hug, and she said, I'll be your mother. Everyone needs a mother's love, and I'm sorry that yours didn't love you, but I'll be your mother. And the owner of a local metaphysical shop, who said basically the same thing to me, and it is mind-blowing to me that these wonderful women who barely knew me at the time would give me that love. And as I said, I can imagine it from a personal standpoint because I understand giving that love. I understand taking someone in like that and giving love to someone like that, but I don't understand why anyone would want to give it to me. And sometimes I think that maybe that's why I wasn't able to carry to term. And I don't mean that in any way of an application to anyone else. This is a personal thing and a personal feeling. I think anyone who suffers a miscarriage struggles with feelings of guilt. And it's hard to not feel like there is something innately wrong with you and the people who should have been biologically predisposed to love you and care for you didn't and actively don't. And this goes back a lot. To finding those feelings of safety. When you don't learn how to be safe. You can't build on that. Because the entire rest of your life builds on whether or not you're safe. Because if you're not safe. What else can you worry about? You know. I think this is a big part of the reason why. Depression and anxiety is such a huge problem in our society, in our culture today, because we just as a society are not safe. Our economy is unstable. We are constantly under the threat of nuclear war or domestic terrorism or domestic abuse. It is just a violent society to live in and unsafe from a financial standpoint. There are very few people who are making enough 
to even count as a living wage. You know, people can't even buy houses. They can barely rent houses or apartments. And it is a level of unsafety in our economy and society that we haven't really seen in a very, very, very long time. Just the uncertainty of everything. So how is anyone going to create? How is anyone going to move forward? Why would anyone want to start a family in such uncertainty and unsafety? And I think it's a hugely overlooked part of our society and the younger generations and how they make their decisions so how do we how do we heal this how do we come out of this if you are someone who has a mother wound you had a mother who didn't love you or didn't love you well or there's some kind of trauma or abuse or toxicity there that has caused problems, then how do you heal that? And as I said, for me, it came with finding a different spiritual path. I remember my now husband sending me a podcast by... Alexander Eth, uh, Glitch Bottle podcast. It was an interview with Jack Grail, um, and it was about Hecate and his work, the Hecateon. And I listened to the podcast, and I was like, why is he sending me this? As someone who was homeschooled by an evangelical family, I did not learn about the Greek gods. There was a lot that was left out of my education that most people do learn um, related to other cultures and religions because they said, well, it's false gods and false religions and evil cultures and you don't need to know about that. Um, so I had never heard of Hecate before that. And... I was listening to it and hearing all the things about her and where she shows up and when she shows up and how you know that she's shown up and the things that mark her presence, you know, whether it's black dogs and three-way crossroads and keys and it was all these things that had featured very prominently in my life and I hadn't like I had marked it like yeah I like these things I I know these things these things kind of you know relate to me and are associated with me and my mind was just completely blown and I remember just texting him in all caps like has she been here my whole life and he said, yeah, I'm pretty sure she has. That's why I sent you the podcast. The first time I met you, I was like, she needs to know about Hecate. And it was the first time that I really remember feeling a mother's love. That she had shown up for me with no agenda 
and no no request no nothing but a mother's love and had been walking me through my crossroads my whole life and I was not interested in deity worship or veneration at that point. Um, I had left the church and I was pursuing a kind of eclectic pagan path. And I was, I believed that the gods of different religions were just faces of the whole um and i thought of it kind of god as a diamond with multiple faces facets and that the deities of different religions were just each person or groups of people's experience of the divine energy and my opinion of that changed when I learned about her because it was a huge thing that had been missing in my life. That unconditional love of a mother. And I had, in a way, started to heal that with thinking of Mother Earth and how she provides for us and gives us safety and space unconditionally and that was healing as well but not in the same way as finding Hecate and if you're unfamiliar with Hecate brief overview she is a female deity. She is known as the triple goddess. She represents maiden, mother, and crone. The three energies of female existence in relation to patriarchy. There is some uh, debate about her faces in more feminist witchcraft circles sometimes that all of her Faces relate to phases of women as they are existing in a patriarchal society. But we live in a patriarchal society, so it works. Uh, she is known as the Queen of Witches. She is the keeper of the keys. The keys to the underworld. Um, she is a Chthonic deity because of this. Her relationship to the underworld. And... She is the one who meets you at the crossroads, and she is associated with a three-way crossroads. Not all crossroads, just a three-way crossroads. And the thing I find interesting about that is that if you are on a road and you come to a four-way crossroads, you have a default setting. You can keep going straight without thinking about it. If you come to a three-way crossroads, you have to make a decision. And I think that's interesting that that is what is associated with her. The point where you have to make a decision where you're going. You can't just default your way 
through life. You have to choose a path. She's the one who meets you there and shows up um, to walk you through it. And I think for me, she has been very helpful in healing both my mother wound and parts of me that I couldn't make the decision to leave behind. And I think I'll probably do another episode sometime in the near future on deities and my thoughts on them. And how to work with them, how I work with them at any rate. But for the purposes of this episode, Hecate was the mother that I never had. And I found a lot of healing in working with her and other mother goddesses. That mother energy. And I think all women have mother energy to a degree. Or they have the ability to have it at any rate. And maybe you're mothering cats or dogs or plants. Or maybe you're giving birth to an idea. To art. To a business. Maybe the thing you're creating is not a child, it's a home. Maybe the people you're loving are not your biological children, they're stepchildren. Or they are people whose mothers didn't love them. Or your co-workers who are new and they need a work mama. Whatever it is, I think that everyone plays the role of a mother at some point in their life. And if you are not a biological mother, today can be really hard. And I think it is important to let it be hard for you. And I don't mean that like, yeah. It's hard. Embrace the suck. I mean, it's okay to say today is hard. It's okay to be sad today. Whether it's from your own journey with motherhood or your own journey with your mother or both. It's okay for today to be hard and it's okay for today to suck. It doesn't have to be good for you. You don't have to reach out to your mom. If it hurts too much, you can leave that stone unturned. It's fine. That door can stay closed. If you don't have children or there's a difficult situation there, it's okay to not feel like celebrating today. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to let yourself feel those things. But don't unpack it and live there. Take the day to grieve if you need to. And then wash your face and get up tomorrow and it's a new day.
Go be the badass that you are. Because pain doesn't have to define you. Loss doesn't have to define you. Trauma doesn't have to define you. It can if you let it. But you don't have to let it. You can take that pain and turn it into power. You can alchemize whatever awfulness you have been given. And I believe that you can. I believe that I can. And I hope you'll join me next time on the podcast as we both continue to work on our mosaic in progress.